every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello, and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Katrina Wong, Vice President of Product Marketing and Demand Generation at Segment, which was recently acquired by Twilio for $3.2 billion. Katrina has more than 15 years of experience scaling growth and leading world-class marketing teams at companies like Salesforce, SAP, Zora, and Hired. On this episode, Katrina dives into the details of the Twilio acquisition, why she believes cold calling is going away, personalization strategies that actually work, and the strategy behind the account-based marketing beast she's helped create at Segment. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site and being able to talk to them instantly, now you can. Learn more at Qualified.com. And now please enjoy this interview between Katrina Wong, Vice President of Marketing and Demand Generation at Segment, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today... We have a special guest, my good pal, Katrina, how are you? Doing well. Thank you, Ian. Always a pleasure to be speaking with you. I know. Always, always good to chat with you and really exciting to chat about all the things that are going on at Segment and uh, lots of, of fun news since the last time we spoke and uh, definitely since uh, having you on, the, on this podcast for the first time is really exciting. Let's get into it. What was your first job in Demand Gen? I'm a fan of being super operational. And in so many ways, I do think that everything in marketing is demand gen. So I spent the first 10 years of my career working with customers, managing accounts, and really, really getting to know their pain and why they turned to technology. So more formally, my transition into marketing was through customer marketing and running campaigns anchored on telling customer stories. So in other words, we really use customer campaigns to fuel demand gen. So I consider that my first job in demand gen. And so flash forward to today, your VP of marketing at Segment. Segment, one of the one of the hottest companies around, so hot, obviously, uh, that uh, that Twilio uh, snapped it up. Tell us about marketing at Segment. You're uh, you're too kind. Thank you, Ian. Uh, so my role at uh, Segment is running marketing for now the business unit. So my focus continues to be demand gen and product marketing primarily. Uh, we have a team of about forty marketers, and the focus for the demand gen team is pipeline generation and specifically campaign strategy and execution. On the other hand, product marketing's focus is to take a product to market, which includes how we go to market, how we work with the field, how we package the product, what is the messaging and positioning in terms of how we actually sell the product, and then working closely with the product team, how do we actually launch the product? It's really been such an interesting year because everything we did pre-COVID needed to be refactored once the world moved to working from home and everything, you know, for our customers became 100% digital. 
right away. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a good year. <laughs> well, let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? This is where we go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen secrets. What's your demand gen strategy? The big part of our demand gen strategy is integrated marketing. may sound decently obvious, but it's really the tight coordination and the sequencing of your marketing efforts. And you always want to center that around a central theme. That way, we're ensuring that our main message is threaded through all of our marketing efforts and our marketing campaigns don't come off super disjointed. The beauty of this is when you get that right, I call it the two plus two equals 10 effect. Each marketing effort layers and amplifies your results. It really does work and you're able to get better results with less of an effort overall. Yeah. And how do you uh, organize around trying to acquire those accounts? What's your structure look like? When I think about accounts specifically, what I've done in the more recent years is I have a separate dedicated function for account-based marketing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So there are marketers that wake up and and it's part of their title and that's what they're focused on. Um, So it's not another marketer's side job to get ABM going. And so this team's goal is to design custom one-to-one, one-to-few, and one-to-many plays with sales. That's really cool. I, I didn't know that. Why that shift? What, did you feel like there was something when it wasn't somebody's job that, that was kind of getting lost in the cracks? I think ABM is somewhat more of a recent construct the past couple of years. And there wasn't a title for a marketer doing that. And so a lot of us were figuring out where it should sit. Is it a little bit of content marketing? Is it field marketing? Who really owns it? And so unless you have an owner and you actually name the function, you're probably not as focused on that particular lever. And so I decided, and especially with what was happening last year and COVID and there wasn't really field marketing, I made sure that we pivoted pretty strongly into you know, these detailed plays with sales. And I just needed somebody to really understand the mechanics of how to do account-based marketing. So let's take a step back. What is Segment? What do you do? Who are your customers? We are a customer data platform, CDP for short. What's a little bit different about Segment is that we're a developer-first platform. And what that means is developers get to build and instrument how they want to track collect, process, synthesize, and activate their data for the business. So a simple example is that a marketer wants to create an audience for some type of targeted campaign. That audience may be interacting with your brand across your website, maybe it's a mobile device, and and a variety of other channels. In order to build a complete view of your customer, you need to unify your data. And once you do, that's really when the magic happens. So you can now better target your customer because you truly understand how they're engaging with you and what messages are resonating. Our customers tend to be large consumer brands, but really we help anyone with customer data. So we have customers that are startups all the way up to Fortune 100 companies. And, and, uh, and global companies as well. 
And so what does the buying committee look like for, for folks when they're buying a CDP? For larger companies, there's usually a digital transformation project or an initiative that's in play for quite a few years now. So sometimes, depending on where you are in the journey, we're selling to somebody in the chief digital officer's org, chief information officer, CIO, CTO. The economic buyer, though, is uh, usually marketing because that is the department that needs to reach their end uh, consumers. And so they're paying for uh, the effort. Isn't that crazy that a customer data platform is now the marketer's purview? Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, it can get quite technical. Um, you know, I think most marketers these days have marketing engineers that they're either funding and sometimes they sit directly in the marketing um, org. And so um, we've all benefited from marketing technology for sure. But, you know, it is no longer just figure out your campaigns and figure out the messaging and positioning. You know, as marketers, we we get quite technical these days. A lot of the guests that we've had on the show and a lot of our listeners are, you know, B2B marketers in tech, and they're doing a similar thing to what you're doing. They have a functional leader like a CMO or somebody like that that they're selling to. And then they have this CIO, digital, CTO kind of tech lead, maybe some, you know, throwing some data and analytics in there. How do you think about kind of positioning to those folks? Do, do, I mean, do the, uh, this, I heard this a while ago that the CIO thinks about your company um, for five minutes once a year. And I think that that's, that's, that's exactly right uh, in a lot of cases. But how do you think about that technical leader versus the functional leader? fun for the technical teams to work with our product. And so I think so often um, when developers or engineers are uh, working with technology when it comes to marketing, they're actually building workarounds. They're building workarounds because the application hasn't been able to support all of the businesses use cases. And the beauty of having a platform where it's developer first, they get to build this based on what the business needs, right? And we are the building blocks for them to build. And so they're not working on workarounds, they're actually working on solving the problem. So that's how we actually delight the technical teams. Are you creating a bunch of stuff for them? Are you creating content for them? Are you creating communities for for the technical teams? We are. Uh, we have something called recipes that we publish on our blog, and it literally is snippets of code that help developers um, connect data everywhere. So, you know, maybe they're connecting, uh, maybe they're piping in data from their website and it gets, you know, connected to a data warehouse, for example. I think um, in terms of the community, we have two. We have a startup program that uh, is a pretty large ecosystem and and with graduates that come out of the startup program and we're you know showing them and teaching them how to instrument their data so that uh, they don't get into technical debt and are doing this as a business is much farther along. It's always more fun to build it right the first time. Um, and then we also have another community growth masters. It's for product managers that are focused on growth. And so with product-led growth, right, it's this combination of 
what are we doing with the product? How do we instrument it so that we can actually, you know, market that way as well? Can I tell you that your website has one of the best visualizations? I love this. And I think we might steal part of this for our website. Uh, so for listeners, you just go to segment.com and scroll down a little bit till it says the ultimate data pipeline and it has a with without segment and with segment. And one of them is this is great, great podcast. Um, but it's, you know, the different pieces of all the different, you know, mobile and sales and web, and they're all, it's this kind of confusing web and they all kind of do this stuff. And then with segment is this very cool data flow. So I kudos to your team for creating a super rad visualization. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's the marketing design and uh, brand team. So thank you. We call it the octopus. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I just spent a bunch of time creating the visualization for, for Caspian. So I've been deep in visualization oh, mode, uh, with, uh, with our designer. Um, and that's, it's always, it's kind of a confusing, but fun time. Anywho, how do you view your website? Um, it is, uh, it's a major, major channel. I mean, that's where our customers come and learn about us, uh, or, or actually, you know, prospects. I mean, you customer process, right? It's the way that we communicate our value. Um, Oh, you know, quite obviously, you know, a lot of our demand gen, um, you know, sits right there. Uh, so it certainly is one of the um, most important pieces to what we do. Um, and, and, you know, you kind of don't have a lot of time to make an impact, you know. Uh, so, yeah, for our customers, we know we need to add value immediately. And that starts with the website. Let's get to our next segment. The playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three uncuttable budget items? Sounds pretty sander. SEM, pace, social, and then really all of the content we do to support these top channels. Um, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it almost sounds boring, but those are our main three channels. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, this is, it's why we asked the segment, you know, to figure out what are, what are those things? What are the bread and butter, you know, SEM and paid social, I think pretty self-explanatory. What types of content are you creating? Um, what types of, uh, things are you thinking about? You know, Technical content, you know, in the form of recipes or blog posts and kind of, um, you know, when we do um, a launch, especially if it's a refresh of a developer toolkit or a developer center, um, you know, we do try to, you know, get that out to our influencers in the developer community. So it's very tailored content um, for the business audience really best practices and thought leadership around how to do personalization. So yeah, it just comes down to what we know of our customers and what is most important to them. And we really do try to tailor our content to the problems that they're solving even before they buy the solution. Any SEM tricks or paid social tricks or, or tips or anything that you've seen or anything that surprised you over the last year? You know, to be honest, it really is using segment for segment it's it's the instrumentation that you do uh there's no magic to you know kind of creating you know effective campaigns but without the instrumentation and really knowing what's effective 
and doing your attribution, you know, it comes down to the piping and you knowing what's effective and turning, doubling down campaigns that work and turning off campaigns that don't. So I, I wanted to ask you about marketing to marketers. You know, uh, from time to time on the show, we have we have companies who who sell to marketers either directly or tangentially. You just talked about segment on segment. You know, drinking your own champagne or your own kombucha or Kool Aid or whatever it is that you want to be drinking. Um, but one of the things that is a huge advantage for you is you can say, "Hey, I'm a marketer. I use this every day. This is how we use it." How do you think about leveraging that in your marketing? This is something that we, you know, admittingly need to do more of. What we need to do is create a, more of a marketing community and and uh, do peer-to-peer learnings and kind of get the word out. So we just start that, um, you know, fall of last year. And, and uh, you know, we did a bunch of, you know, ABM, VIP roundtables, much smaller curated sessions but what we found was after, you know, a year and a half of working remotely and, and just the Zoom fatigue was very real. So we've kind of taken a step back. So we're really waiting for when things, and I'm optimistic, you know, open up again and we can kind of, you know, see people in real life and kind of create that community. Um, yeah. It's hard though, right? I miss that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, hard to do it all online. Yeah, the Zoom totally. fatigue is is very real. <laughs> well, and like you know, it's just it's tough because it's like you know, I would love to, you know, we're both busy people. I would love to 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 go sit down next to you and be like, Katrina, can you just show me segment how like you all use it? Um, like I would love to see that, and yet, you know, it's to figure out how, how the best way to do that is, is tough. Um, and especially it's like, you know, a lot of the people that you're marketing to are your peers or your friends or, you know, things like that. And it's like, I just want to, can you just give me the down and dirty and just tell me how you all do it? Yeah. Well, the important thing is, it's not just the, you know, product demo and the technology. It's identifying with other marketers what they're looking to solve and what their challenge of the moment is. And so that type of conversation and peer to peer learning and knowledge sharing extends beyond show and tell. And I think that part can be nicely curated as an event of some sort. But to my point earlier, we're doing so many Zooms. You know, we had great success in the more uh, in the beginning, and then over time, um, you know, most of us were just uh, needed a different way to connect with peers other than just over Zoom. Totally, yeah, it is tough, and you know, that's what events were always great at, right? Is just like pull someone aside yeah. and just like, hey, can you just show me what you're doing there or whatever? Um, yes, yes, I kind of miss some, but but one day soon. <laughs> I know. What's, what is something that you think is not working and is going to fade away? I think true, true cold calling. So this is, you know, um, picking up the phone and calling somebody and perhaps they've never really heard about your product or your company, your brand. And, you know, I think most outbound prospecting these days is being warmed up in some way, shape or form by, by marketing and, and all of the content we put out there. And, um, and each marketing engagement becomes a signal. It's a clue 
and it gives us insight on the intent in intent of the prospect. And so um, I don't know if true cold calling um, exists, you know, in in, um, in the same way as it did, you know, years ago. Um, so I see that really not truly working or fading away. I mean, I just go back to the fact of like, when is it worth last time it worked with me? Like, when was the last time it worked for you? Exactly. It's like, we're the people who, you know, are being sold to 24-7. Like, I don't want to engage that way. That's right. So but why why would we optimize for that? Like, it's okay if you're, like, doing, I guess, in theory, it's okay if you're doing it or, or whatever. But why would you optimize for it? So it's, like, the same idea of, like, right. when people had uh, an analog experience and they turned to digital. And now, when you're digital first, it just changes your strategy. If you're a outbound cold calling first <laughs> strategy that's not great that's right that's right it's an, even if it's working right now if you think it's working it's not sustainable i don't think that's right that's right how do you measure success how do you measure roi what are you measured on actual pipeline generated as a percentage of the overall pipeline um and uh we look at the full funnel, so it's not just about top of the funnel and MQLs. It's MQLs that turn into qualify opportunities that ultimately turn into close one dollars. So that is what I measured on, as well as the entire marketing team. Obviously, you know, in demand pipeline is 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 always the most important thing. Are you, you know, with those with those tactics that we were talking about earlier with your three uncuttables, where in the funnel, uh, so to speak, or, or, you know, if you don't believe in funnels, where are those different things working? We do a lot of direct call to actions. Um, you know, this really speaks to product market fit, but we do do a lot of paid social where we ask for that demo and for that meeting. And uh, so it is working. That is a really, you know, big lever. And then I would say, you know, all those levers for, you know, mid funnel and even bottom of the funnel, it depends on the content. You know, is it a request for proposal RFP guide that somebody's downloading, right? That shows a different type of intent and where they are in their, you know, kind of uh, journey with a purchase uh, versus, you know, an introduction to um, what a CDP is. Do you have a favorite campaign that you've, uh, you've run over, over the last uh, handful of months or year? I think specifically a segment, it was really the integrated campaign that we ran in support of our virtual conference last year. You know, I don't think any company knew what to expect, you know, moving from a world of everything having to be virtual online. And so what we did was we actually went pretty big and we said, well, instead of a two-day conference, we're going to create a CDP week. And it was week-long programming. And we basically celebrated our customers' success, had them share their best practices, their thought leadership. And we did do the VIP roundtables for the peer-to-peer learnings um, it was super well received, surprisingly, and super well attended. And we ended up um, forexing um, our goal. So that was uh, that was amazing to see. I mean, the team really worked um, really hard on it and just knocked the ball out of the park. Any uh, 
anything, you know, if you're, if you're to be able to, to do that again or roll it out again, that you're like, oh, we're definitely going to do this again? We got so much great feedback about the peer-to-peer learnings and kind of like the curated conversations. You know, I would definitely do that again. And, and people really liked the panels. That was quite engaging and interactive. I would do those. Uh, yeah, I would do those two programmings. I would double down on those two types of programmings. You know, what's funny. So I did a, uh, an event a number of years ago and we spent a ton of time doing peer-to-peer matching, basically like mentor measures, startup events. So basically like matching startups with a mentor that's like in their exact, you know, industry or whatever it is. And every single person who gave us feedback on the event was like, that was the most helpful thing. And it's just so funny, right? You know why it was, it was hyper, it was hyper personalized, right? I've been thinking a lot about personalization, but you know, you're providing value that's so personalized and unique to who um, your customer is or your audience is. And and that's, you know, that's the true value exchange. Um, So I'm not surprised. That's great. That's great to hear. Well, and I think that so much of like what we do, there's so much content out there. There's so much information and it's really helpful to hear the case study. It's really helpful to hear, you know, Katrina talk through her marketing at segment and all those things. And then at the end of that journey of discovery, like, I just want to talk to someone else who's like, here's my personalized advice to you. Like that's like the final piece of it is like, I just need actual advice on like what I should be doing. Cause I think I know where I'm at and I need to go there. And if you, and if you're someone who don't, you know, if you're in a geographical area or whatever, where you don't have a bunch of mentors, um, helping people do that, that one-on-one thing, and then they can go on the next step, that speed dating approach. If that person, if they, if they hit it off, then you really made, you know, you could have made like a lifelong change in that person's business. That's right. It's the last mile. It's the last mile. And it's really, you know, incredibly rewarding when you see your audience validate that and benefit from it. Yeah, it, it's quite memorable uh, for them and, and also for the marketer. You said you've been thinking a lot about personalization. Can you share some insights? What are you thinking about for personalization? Where is this going? Because it seems like these one-to-one personalization, that ABM stuff that you're talking about, it's here, it's the future, and you all are at the cutting edge. Well, the latest uh, conversation kind of in the market about personalization is I I think all marketers want to do that. I don't think any one of us want to come off, you know, spammy or doing generic messaging, if you will. And I think the challenge is, you know, how do we get the data, the signals to actually do the personalization. Um, And so the ongoing conversation in the market is, how do we rely on more first-party data versus third-party data? And so there is this movement where as marketers, we want to do what's right for customers and and consumer privacy. That's something um, we respect. and, And I think segment has done a really good job just evangelizing how you can do great marketing and rely on first party data and um uh 
And when you're able to couple technology with kind of opt-in behavior and tracking of, of that, you know, you're, you're not resorted to looking at signals that come from, you know, a variety of other sources where, you know, I don't know where I'm being tracked. And I really put myself in the shoes of, you know, consumers and I, you know, buy a pair of shoes from Nordstrom's and that same pair of shoes is following me everywhere on the internet. And I was like, well, I've already purchased that. And so, you know, immediately, you know, that experience, you know, I just know that the marketer really didn't have the data and didn't really know that I actually purchased that pair of shoes already. So, so anyway, that's kind of uh, how I've been thinking about personalization, kind of the last mile. How do we bridge the gap with data? Yeah, you know, it, it's such a such a great point about um, about that first party data because it is harder, but that's where you know the rubber meets the road. You know, we talk about personalization. It's like the ultimate personalization is is your sales rep sitting there with the slide deck that you carefully created for twenty four months. <laughs> And tearing it apart because it's like, well, I need to add all this stuff because that person, uh, you know, this person lives in Kentucky and, you know, whatever and all that sort of stuff. And you're just like, but, but wait, we just spent all that time. But, you know, that's what sales is doing. They're, they're trying to personalize as much as humanly possible. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. Let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. It's where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with aforementioned sales, whether it's with a competitor or uh, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust up in your career? Yes. Um I think over the years, I really think about that as being normal. It's normal to have healthy tension. And it really means that there are checks and balances in place. Um, and honestly, it, it can happen between any function. It's not just sales and marketing. It could be, um, you know, marketing a product. It can be between product and engineering. So I'm not at all conflict averse. And so, you know, I was thinking as you were asking this question, I'm like, hmm, what's most memorable? Um, there hasn't been any that are so, so memorable. And it's probably because it happens a lot. And, you know, I just kind of address it head on, you know? Well, well let's talk about some healthy non-tension then. Uh, you all got acquired by Twilio. It's a match made in, <laughs> in heaven here. What's it like being part of Twilio now? How are you all going to market together? Oh, that's actually been a wonderful journey. And I think Sarah's been on a few of your uh, podcasts. Episode two. So, uh, or episode one, that's maybe. Right. Episode two. Yes, yes. It, yeah. And even the you know previous podcast that um, you were running. And so um, right away, her and I created um, an initiative and there's strategic value to this, which is how do we actually do co-marketing and really get the teams to kind of get to know one another and work together while bringing the business um, or, you know, yeah, bring more, you know, pipeline dollars to the business together. And so that's been going well. We call it the, you know, campaign task force. 
And um, in terms of uh, the marketing engine that is at Twilio, what we're doing is figuring out synergies and how we can slot ourselves in for some of these co-marketing co-plays, if you will. And that's been really fun and nice. Yeah. You know, I... You always talk about obviously acquisitions, you know, happen for a reason because of this exact thing, but they have all of these customers and now all of those people can be segment customers. And so it's a, it's a delicate balance to figure out, okay, now how do we figure out how to, uh, how to attack this problem? It's a great problem to have. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Even the coordination, um, you know, I think uh, needs to be well thought through. Uh, The last thing you want is like all, you know, a bunch of outreach, you know, just same accounts and we're all saying the same things. But, you know, um, that's why I think, um, you know, how you operationalize when you work together is a big is a big thing. So, you know, for us, you know, there is, uh, you know, like a PMO that's you know, supporting this initiative and we're just coordinating through that way. Um, it sounds like it's background stuff, but it really is about our customer's experience with the parent brand and the sub brand. Let's get to our final segment here. Quick hits. These questions are quick and easy. Just like using qualified, our best friends, our best friends in the whole world, the good people at qualified if you haven't checked out Qualified, they're the absolute best because Qualified prospects are on your website right now and you can talk to them quickly. If you're using Qualified, go to qualified.com to learn more. They're the best. Like I said, go to qualified.com, learn more. Quick hits. Katrina, are you ready? Yes. Yes. Number one, favorite book or podcast or TV show that you've been checking out? You know, I am still on Marketing Trends. I, hey now. I, I know, I know. And I'll, you know, I'll start listening to, you know, marketing, um, or I guess, you know, uh, demand generation visionaries, but, um, that continues to be one of my favorites. You know, it's, it's what we alluded to earlier. It's the community. And I want to hear, you know, from other marketers, what, what they're doing. Yeah, I could. Well, thank you. That's sweet to say. And, uh, and I, and I'm glad that, uh, that you like it. Do you have, uh, a best piece of advice for a first-time VP of marketing who's trying to figure out their demand gen strategy? Oh, yes. Um, I would say skew your focus to the ability to see what's effective and working. You know, when I was a first-time VP of marketing, I was more preoccupied with just turning things on. And, you know, instrumentation is key because uh, without that, you're really flying blind. Um, And, you know, obviously these days, right, we're so lucky. There's so many technologies that can, you know, help you track everything. But for me, it's just really making sure you can see what's working, what's not, what's, you know, effective or not. So invest in your instrumentation. If you weren't in marketing or business style, what would would you be doing? Gosh, um, I would be... You mean for work or for fun? Um, for life, yeah. I would be snowboarding more. I love, love, love snowboarding. I might have talked about this with you uh, in the past and uh, been doing it since the late 90s when the sport was just a little earlier. And I don't know, it doesn't feel like it's in vogue. And, you know, um, my husband's always like, go back to skiing. And I'm like, no, I want to do snowboarding. So I'm kind of a board sports person. And, um, and probably started 
surfing even five to seven years later after that. But I will say I'm a much better, you know, snowboarder than I'll ever be a surfer. And I think I've been thinking about that a lot. And it's because the conditions on a mountain with the snow are pretty static and the variability is next to none. It's, oh, is it icy? Is it, you know, power? Is it a powder day? But the water, oh my gosh, in the ocean, that just is so difficult because it's so variable. So just when you're thinking that you can kind of stand up and get okay, the next wave comes, you're like, wait, why couldn't I conquer that? Like what happened? So anyway, I love board sports. I would probably do that a lot more. Katrina, thanks so much for joining. As always, we love chatting with you. And uh, for our listeners, go to segment.com, learn more. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Oh, Signal's coming up October 20th to the 21st. I love Signal, Twilio's conference. Uh, I've been to it a couple times. It's a great conference. Um, it's Anything uh, fun, exciting for Signal coming up? Yes. Um, we. This is our first time um, joining uh, Signal more formally. So we will have dedicated sessions about Segment. Um, you know, how do you build that next generation of customer engagement? So really hope to see everyone there. And um, yeah, it's been great speaking to you, Ian. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.